0: Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. You guys awake this morning? Yeah, February. Yeah, so I've shared with you guys uh, several times one of the scriptures I've been meditating on the last several months is Isaiah 43. Where God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And, and one of my meditations, there's been a lot of them. Uh, one of my reflections, I, I guess I should say, has been, I think many of us have been familiar with God goodness in times of prosperity. Uh, we've kind of grown up, many of us, and trained in that way. Not all of us in the room, some of you have known tremendous suffering in your life, Uh, but one of my reflections has been, God doesn't say here, see I'm doing a new thing, I'm taking away the desert, I'm taking away the wilderness, some of you feel like you're in the wilderness, I'm I'm providing streams in the desert not getting rid of the desert. That's been really helpful for me to, to realize, to learn to look for God's new thing, not change my circumstances, but to identify what God's doing. One of the, maybe a small piece of the new thing God's doing in our community is we're starting a new series uh, today, in the Gospel of John, uh, like Put your safety bar down and lock in. We're going to be in it for a little while. Um, It's an amazing book. I feel like we're starting a journey and my bags aren't packed. (laughs) A little bit. Ever feel that way? It's like we're going somewhere. I'm not really sure where. uh, I just brought my toothbrush. I got that. Let's try that. I think with John as our guide We may not know all the places he's gonna take us, but I think they're gonna be really good. I think they're gonna John is different. He's kind of set apart from the other writers of the New Testament. Like if like, like Kelly and Kendall and those guys are doing Ephesians, you know, when we're like studying Paul, it's like get your notebooks out. Take notes, hyperlinking all over the place. You're in, almost in a seminar when you're reading. Paul, he, he's doing so much, there's so much density and connectivity in what he's doing. With Matthew, our first gospel writer, he wants to take us to the synagogue. He wants you to see Jesus as our Messiah King. He wants you to see how Jesus has come to fulfill the law, to show you how to live in this good way. Mark, Mark, Mark is telling the biography of Jesus through the eyes, probably of Peter. And you know, you know a little bit about the Apostle Peter's life. It's, it's, in a, it's in a roller coaster. And Mark's a roller coaster, and the whole time you're there, while you're speeding from one turn to one drop, Mark's in your face challenging you to do business with a crucified king. And he's saying this is worthy of you losing your life for. That's Mark. Luke, Dr. Luke, he wants to give you an orderly account of the life of Jesus. That's what he tells us anyway, actually. He's got more up his sleeve. He wants us to see the mission of Jesus. He who came to seek and save the lost. And he wants you to see the faces of the people that he sees. And he wants you to get near to them. Relevant, relevant stuff for our times. John's different. John wants to take you by the hand and walk you up a mountain. That's the way N.T. Wright, one of my favorite biblical scholars, says that He wants to walk us up a mountain. At parts in that hike, it's very pleasant. Uh, we see Jesus talking about abundant life, about streams of living water. It's like you're right by a bubbling bro- brook on that hike. We, he's having this fascinating conversation with a woman at the well, with this Jewish scholar. It's really compelling. Other times, it's provoking, almost almost harsh. We see Jesus turning tables over in the temple. He's not happy. We see Jesus having like really difficult conversations with Jewish leaders. Mostly, what I think John wants to do is he wants to stare into the human face of this carpenter, of Jesus of Nazareth. It's easy to get duped with John? Because John likes simple language. I don't know if you catch that when you read him. He uses a lot of little words, and he uses them over and over, words like life and light and glory and believe. So early in the hike, you might get the impression, this is like a primer, this book of John. This is like second grade stuff. The more you get into the hike... You start to change what you think about that. You realize that John, once you get to the tree line, he's walking at the same pace he's always been walking. He's still drinking his allotment from his camelback every half hour. Meanwhile, you've drained your super big cult from the convenience store that you got this morning, and you're thirsty. And you start to realize, I'm in the presence of a master theologian. But more than that, you realize I'm in the presence of a spiritual guide who wants to take me to the top of the mountain. He wants to get up there and kind of exhale and say, would you just take a look? It's like you could see forever up here. At least that's what you think he says. There's also like another voice that you thought you heard that says, behold the glory of the Son of a Father who's full of grace and truth. So let's do this. Let's do it together. Let's let the Spirit of God be our guide as He speaks to us through this disciple whom Jesus loved, His BFF. Let's pray. Lord, we are before you, we are excited. To be on a journey with this beloved man. Lord, we know that he's going to point us to you. He wants us to see you. And he wants us to believe. And he's going to talk to us a lot about what believing is. He's going to unpack it for us. And he's going to sit down along the trail with us and converse with us. Lord, we ask that you would enlighten us and shape us through this journey. Lord, there may be times you provoke us. That's okay. Lord, we're kind of getting used to that. We pray that we would be apt students ready to hear you. We pray in your good name. Amen. So we're going to start this morning at the beginning of the beginning Of John, which is about the beginning. First five verses of John. I want you to listen to the claims that are made in these few sentences. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was alongside of God, and the Word was God. He was alongside God in the very beginning. All things came into existence through Him. Not one thing came into being apart from Him. And then here's our big idea this morning. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light has been shining in the darkness. And we just sang this, and the darkness has not overcome it. There you have it. The opening lines of John's Christmas story. I told you it was going to be different. There's no hay. There's no sheep. There's no angel. There's no Joseph and Mary. No shining star. No wise men. No stinky barn. No nativity. Just the cosmos. That's John's nativity setting in the beginning. These unique lines are part of what's often called John's prologue, beginning, it's the first 18 verses, to be specific of this chapter. We're going to spend today, next week, and the week after, at least just in this prologue, and that won't be long enough. But That's what we're going to do. The function of the prologue, you know, know, I don't know if you've ever done Pike's Peak. Anybody ever done Pike's Peak before? You can drive. You can raise your hand if you drove. It's okay. You don't have to have like scaled it. You get up there and they've got those machines you put a quarter in. and They don't work very well, but they're, they're there anyway for your quarter. And you look in it and you're supposed to see way out. That's what John's doing in the prologue. He's giving us a lens to see the rest of the gospel. So the things that we're going to deal with in the these first 18 verses, we're going to see over and over. They're just going to continue to replay. John begins in the beginning. Now, are those words familiar to you from somewhere else in Scripture? That's how the Bible starts, right? In the beginning. In the beginning. John's paralleling here. This is no accident. He's purposefully Bringing Genesis, the creation story, into his gospel. In a way, he's, I don't love this word, but it was the best one I could grab. He's repurposing the creation story for us. This is creation language, it pervades these verses, and lo and behold, God is there. Even before creation, that's what he's referencing in the beginning. God's there. And notice also light and life. Those are like heroes of Genesis 1. They're principal actors. God says, let there be light, and there is. God's giving life all over the place. They're pulsating and shining in the darkness. And darkness is there too, isn't it? It's there in Genesis The writer says darkness was over the surface of the deep. John wants us to see the darkness too, not just the light. But he wants us to hear God speaking. That's what Genesis does. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was. Take that darkness. Now there's light. This is a cue. John cares a great deal about creation. He's going to talk to us a lot about things changing and coming into being. As I read these verses, I have this sense of like, what in the world are we getting ourselves into? I hope it has that effect on you. This departure from the manger to the cosmos as John wants us to see it from the top. What are we getting into here? Who could have imagined this? This is like a major argument for kind of divine inspiration of Scripture. We're getting up here into pre-creation. God's there. Genesis tells us his spirit's hovering over the waters. And now John is stepping into Genesis and saying, but wait, there's another. There's another one there. And we're going to call him the Word. The Word is there alongside God. But then the surprise comes, and the Word was God. He who is the Word, he's no spectator. This Genesis repurpose rendering of the beginning is actually, this Word is the one doing the creating. So Genesis tells us God said, and then there was light, or sky, or veggies, or fruits, or whatever it is, and it comes into being. John comes in and gives us, peels one layer back, and says there was one there. That when God said, let there be light, he said, on it. Roger that. He who is the Word is on the scene. John is not just concerned about creation, but recreation. That's going to be another theme. This is John's Christmas announcement. The Word is on the scene. And from the summit, we see that this Word has been busy. He was there at the beginning. So if we're serious about following Jesus, then we would do ourselves well to get acquainted with this word. Let's think about that word, word, for just a minute. You may know the Greek words called logos. Logos, that's the word. Logos wasn't an unfamiliar word to the culture of John, whether it was his Hebrew culture that he grew up in, or the Greek culture. It was a commonly used word that basically meant self-expression, self-communication, talking about yourself, re- revealing something about yourself. It was a very common word. There's a revelation to it when the worst word logos is you. It's just like you're saying something meaningful. About yourself. So John's capturing that. For us here. In the beginning was the word. God's not just speaking. Creation into being. He's revealing himself. The word was there. And the word just isn't like some. Mystical idea. The word is a person. The masculine pronoun. "Ye" was there. John's giving this like incredible revelation of the Trinity of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit hovering over the waters. God speaking, the Son saying, I'll do that. Don't you hope we get a video of it? John's also taking... Right from scripture, we've already covered that with this word logos. God keeps speaking, but now we're finding out it's layered. There's more complexity than it just God spoke and poop, it came into being. There's a person in the middle of this process. Do we have that figured out? Well, if you do, write a book, please. But the person is there, this word. And he's bringing reality into being. He's working with his father, making some things out of nothing, which actually makes more sense than any other theory out there I've ever heard. He who is the Lagos, he wants us to survey God in this creation, communication process. He wants us to see that from the summit. The Word is alongside of God, and He was God. You know what? That needs to capture some reflection for you. Like, I doubt, like, right now, you're, like, ready to jump out of your skin as I talk about this. It's so compelling. This is the kind of truth you've got to sit with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was alongside God, and the Word was God, and He was there. Nothing was made that hasn't been made by Him. I think John's saying, People get ready. We're about to go on a journey together with matters of epic proportions for the universe, for the cosmos, for our lives. John tries, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul tries to capture this when he writes that hymn. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him and for him all things were created. Things in heaven, things in earth, things invisible. You know, there are things invisible, Things visible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And then physics majors, this one's just for you. And in him, all things hold together. And then this one's for all of us. And he is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning And the firstborn from above, from the dead. He's bringing resurrection, new creation in it now. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. He who is the word. Yeah, put the bar down and strap yourself in. John wants us to see that the words and works Of he who is this beloved disciple are the words and works of God. So when he speaks to us deeply about our lives, he wants us to understand exactly what we're dealing with. Attend to his works and words. People, get ready. Prepare yourself. Which brings us to verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light's been shining in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. This is what John does here. John takes these like really cosmic situations, context. And he brings them into second grade language. In him was life. And his life was the light for all mankind. Man, there's such an elegant simplicity to that. In him was life. He's saying life is native to he who is the word. It resides. It's who he is. He is its author. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of life. There's, a, there's also a purity in it, isn't there? In him as life. Like, that just makes me long for it. It makes me want that life. That which is native to Jesus has the power to illuminate your life. Every breathing human That life was light for every person. That's our big idea. Jesus, who is the Word, this self-revelation of God, is life. And that's what we hunger for. You know, when we're having doubts, that's what we're hungering for is life. Life. When we're struggling with a belief, we're hungering for life. Our longings, our expectations, our hopes, our disappointments and disillusionments. It's our longing for life. Because we know more is there. Our missteps, our failures, our folly. They're just twisted expressions of our longing for life, John wants to say to us, in he who is the word, you will find it. He was there creating it. He's been sustaining it. He's been sharing it. And now he has stepped into our world with it. And then the most encouraging thing you could possibly hear in the darkness has not overcome it. That's when you're supposed to jump out of your skin. Because we know something about darkness. We don't have to look far, do we? We know something about it. We know about it out there. We're even more familiar with it in we know something about it John says not to worry this life that's native to the one who is the word will stay lit it's not going anywhere Jesus said it this way in the gates of hell can't touch it. So when we're part of the activity of God, we're part of something epic. There's a a series of letters at the end of the New Testament. We call them 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They bear his name as well. We're going to kind of transition into communion with a few verses from the beginning of 1 John, because you're going to hear something that sounds very familiar. I'm going to read it, and in just a minute, I'm going to ask the the band to come up, and we're we're going to share time together, remembering He who is the Word, the revelation of God. Listen to 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim. The word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it and we've testified to it. And we proclaim to you The eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. See, John's writing not his peers. He's writing to second and third generations of followers of Jesus. They never saw Jesus. Maybe their grandmother did. But they're plagued with doubt and unbelief. What's going on? The culture's disintegrating. Persecution is rising. And John is saying, hey, the life ain't going anywhere. It's here. I can tell you, I had his hand on my shoulder. I can tell you, I was there at the cross. I can tell you, I witnessed the resurrection. I can tell you, I saw him ascending into heaven as a man. He says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. Oh, there's a way in the wilderness. Joy. This is the message we've heard from Him, and we declare to you, God is light. Sound familiar? And in Him, there's no darkness If we claim to have fellowship with him, but yet walk in darkness, we're lying. We're not living this out. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have commonness. We have communion with one another. In the blood of Jesus, ah, he waits to the end for the best part purifies us from all sin. John's holding up this life to a struggling community and he's working like bread, kneading, kneading this into the dough, the life of Jesus. Incarnation, Jesus' life was deeply personal. That's what John wants us to see. We've seen it. We've touched it. We've heard it. Now, community, be incarnational. Be with each other. We have fellowship with each other, he says. Proclamation, John's pro- proclaiming here that God has arrived in Jesus from beginning to end. God is light, and in him there's no darkness. This statement right here has massive implications for humanity, has massive implications for your life. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The church is to proclaim this good news of Jesus. One of the ways the church is called to proclaim him is through the practice of the Lord's Supper. We'll read that in just a moment. John is giving witness. We, This is our story. This is my story, church. I'm testifying that he who is the Word was God's son. His origins are from before creation. And now I'm testifying. The church is to testify, to tell its story of he who is the Word. The self-revelation of God. What we hunger for, what our world is starving for—the light that will displace darkness—in each of them. Uh, team, you could come on up, worship team, if you would. We have we have this mandate that Jesus was like explicitly clear. That one of the ways we stay centered on Him is that we stay centered on the cross. And so He said, I want you to remember me on the cross regularly. That's not all we think about Him. But it lives in the bullseye. Because the cross is the supreme expression even more than creation in some ways. Without the cross, there's no new creation. Without the cross, there's no hope. There, there's no explicit demonstration of love. Not the love that can bring salvation. Without the cross. So Jesus says, keep that central. So we're going to do that. We do that from time to time as a, A way of trying to stay anchored to the life, to He who is the Word, to Jesus. Just a few minutes, the band, or just a moment really, the band are just going to like play through uh, for a few minutes. And during that time, I want to invite you to come up. Uh, The elements are on both sides of me. You'll see it there. Um, And just get it and take it back with you if you would and then I'll, com- I'll come back up and we'll hear God's word one more time and then we'll take it together so band if you would go ahead and start and then just during this time um, I'm going to give you three or four minutes uh, that should be enough time for everybody who wants to let me just say a word about the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper is for those who have aligned their lives with Jesus who've given their lives, who've trusted in him, what he's done on the cross, who belong to him. It's a time for you to remember what he's done for you. There's nothing magical about it. Uh, that's not Jesus' real blood or his real body. But, but they're important symbols, and, and they represent incarnation to us that the spiritual life of Jesus has meaning and it can bring meaning to us in very common ways like a man and as we remember a man through bread and through juice so so it, it doesn't get transformed magically but it becomes something because of what it represents so we're going to share that representation together, those symbols that are so meaningful for us. And we're, we're going to do it as the body of Jesus. We're going to remember his body and blood as the body. Come on up and take it when you're ready and return to your seat with you, if you will. going to kind of toggle uh, two passages of scriptures together as we take the elements together. I'm going to reread from 1 John 1, uh, but I'm going to kind of connect that with a um, passage from 1 Corinthians 11, which is uh, a rendering of the first Lord's Supper together. And uh, we'll, I'll read a little bit, we'll take the bread together, I'll read a little bit more, we'll take the juice together. First John 1 says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it, we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. We write this to make our joy complete. And then from 1 Corinthians. For what I received from the Lord I also passed on to you. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and we need to give him thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. God, we thank you that your body was given for us. This was no simple act. This was the act of a man who was tempted in every way. This was a man who sweated out in prayer on our behalf. This is a man who lived and taught leaning in dependence on you, consistently looking to the Spirit and resisting temptation with all that He had. And His giving of His body was the supreme manifestation of the life He'd been living from even before creation. Lord, this was Your plan. It's overwhelming to us because at the, at the kernel of this is love. It's not a brain pulsating in the cosmos. It's flesh and blood laying his life down in love and suffering injustice on our behalf. We thank you. This is the message we've heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have true fellowship with one another. When the blood of Jesus is there. To purify us from all our sin. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new creation, the new covenant, actually, in my blood. Do this, whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Church, that's our call. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Lord, it's it's filled with paradox that you would put things that don't seem to belong together, together, sinful people, broken people, and purity, being purified, life coming to folks like us. And glowing with his light. Lord, we remember why, we remember how. We may not fully be able to grasp it. But Lord, it resonates in our soul because we've know this life. So we proclaim it as best as we know how. Thank you. In the name of he who is the word, amen.